PGA professional believe in Tennessee golf here on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? Our show is a breakdown of all things golf in the volunteer state. We will cover men's and women's golf tournaments, professional amateur events, and dive into junior golf as well. We will talk to the players, the instructors, and the organizers. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. You can also find us on your favorite trajectories of Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminaire, and TuneIn. You can find us at Believe.com or at Believe Podcast. You can also follow me on Instagram at pbrandon21 or on Twitter at QIC underscore GolfPro. So the governor has lifted the stay-at-home order. People are starting to get back and move around. We're seeing some golf courses opening. Some still are walking only. Some have carts. CDC precautions are in place. So you can check your local area clubs to find out who, where, and who you can play with. So I want to thank again Chris Woods coming on last week, my friend from uh, Kingsport, talking about Golf Amplified and what they do out there. It sparked a lot of questions so this week's dedicated to the listeners themselves um a lot of times and again we, we kind of take this for granted but we, we talk golf to golfers we kind of we mention things like we all notice you flip it there or you scooped it or you chicken winged and in normal conversations we just assume that everybody knows what we said so one of the questions that came in from doug is he was watching uh and i won't say the name of it he mentioned it in in the in the Instagram post, but he was watching a video uh, on Instagram or YouTube uh, of an instructor, and they were talking about how to get rid of your scoop. And it, he asked the question, what really is a scoop? I mean, it, it didn't understand what it meant, how it affected it, so it got me thinking about it, and I, I remember seeing or listening to uh, another podcast from golf years ago, um, and the guys did exactly that. They kind of went down broke down the glossary of terms, and so I'm going to kind of go over a few of those today uh, to kind of talk about it, and again, feeding off the listeners this week, so we'll just kind of get into it. Um, but again, if you're watching golf uh, in a tournament, a lot of times you'll hear the commentator say, oh, he bailed out on that one, or she bailed out on that one, and all a bailout really is just spinning out of the shot, Uh in most cases, uh, for a right-handed player, there's water down the left side, and they're they're stepping up there, and they're just really wanting to hit this beautiful drive. And at the last second, these thoughts go through the head, and they spin across the ball really quickly, causing the club to move leftward, opening the face, and just creates this ball that kind of bails out to the right side or leaks out. Um, same thing for a lefty there. They're trying to hit a shot, and they just spin completely out of it. Uh, and the ball goes in the opposite direction of what they're looking for. And so you kind of hear that as that, that bailout. Um, another one you hear um, referring to kind of the, the fishing term is the casting the club. And you've heard a lot of people talk about this. And, and all a cast really is is an early release of the club on the way down. Now this actually leads to a, a breaking down the shaft, leaning backwards the left wrist or the lead wrist starts to cup creating loft and the shaft leans backwards. And so that early cast will a lot of times cause the face to open up and create this high, weak, fluttering shot um, for the player. So you just kind of, again, we talk about these different terms. Um, lagging the club, you hear that one a lot, especially when talking about Sergio Garcia swing. And the lag is just the ability from the face-on view to keep the club head trailing the hands as long as possible. 
Now we've all seen the videos at Impact where the guy's hands in the club gets there. Um, so there's not this massive forward press or anything that we hear that we talk about there, but it's just on the way down, trying to keep that angle held back as long as possible, which is going to help deal off the club uh, and help the player hit down on the ball and compress it uh, and get a little bit more. Another one you hear quite uh, often is uh, swinging across the line, especially if you're looking at Phil Mickelson's swing. So if you take Mickelson to the top of the shot, you'll notice how his club moves to the head side or the ball side of his hands, meaning they cross that line across his shoulders. Um, you look at a player like Hunter Mahan, you get his clubs to the top, and you'll notice how his club will actually point to the away from his body side or, or down the left side of the fairway in his case. So again, when that club starts to cross the line, normally the swing's a little longer, it's a little harder to control. Um, and it can get away from you pretty easily. If it gets a little bit more compact, stays back there a little bit, um, you can definitely see some tighter ball flight. So keep the questions coming in um, uh, about the glossary terms. I'll try and touch on those any time I can because the last thing I want to do is communicate or try and communicate about terms and phrases that people aren't quite understanding. So I got in a small explanation last week, and uh, Justin came in with some questions about it. I was talking about strokes gained. And I gave the simple formula of using an 8-foot putt and on tour it's 50%. So the, the tour average is 1.5. So if you make a putt from 8 feet, you've gained a, a player has gained half a shot on the field. If they two-putt from 8 feet, they lost half a shot. And again, it's the easier to explain. But again, you hear so many times about Rory or, or Sergio or one of those guys leading and driving shots gained. And so... Uh, Justin's question was how do they calculate that and so again it was an area I was uh, I'll be honest when I talked about it last week I didn't understand quite as much so I did a little dive for show prep this week to, uh, to give Justin some better answers but so we'll kind of use this as an example I've got two um, examples we'll talk about driving and then we'll get into the uh, the fairway scoring average as well so if we take a standard 400 yard hole uh, the scoring average on the PJ Tour is 3.99 so Again, they're, they're basically, on a 400-yard hole, they're making par. Um, or you can look at it, they're burning 1% of the time from that distance. And I'll talk more about that in a second. But if they hit a 300-yard drive down the middle, from 100 yards, the PJ Tour averages 2.8. So again, it's taking them 2.8 shots to get it in the hole from the fairway in 100 yards, again, the way I actually talk about it to my students is they're bird, only birdieing 20% of the time from there. Um, so, again, over the course of 100 guys doing it, 2.8 being the average, 20 made birdie, the rest made pars. There may have been a few more birdies, but there may have been a few bogeys to offset. So, again, we'll just talk about pars and birdies there. So what you do there is you take your 3.99, you subtract your 2.8, and then you minus the shot that you took. Um, and in that case, you would come up with a 0.21. So if you're hitting it 300 yards down the fairway and leaving yourself 100 yards left in, you're gaining about two-tenths of a shot on the field. Again, you're increasing your birdie percentage is really what you're doing it. Uh, another example is if you take uh, Sawgrass um, number 18. Uh, this hole plays uh, 446 yards, and the scoring average on that one is 4.1. So again, a 40-yard difference or almost a 50-yard difference, and they're only averaging about 0.1 difference. Um, but again, it just means that they're making more bogeys than they're making birdies from that point. Um, the same 300-yard drive now from a 140 
40 yards left in. The scoring average there would be 2.9. So again, they're only burning 9% of the time from 140, whereas they're burning 20% of the time uh, from 100, minus this choke comes to 0.29. So that extra 40-something yards uh, on that particular hole, because it's 40 yards shorter, you're increasing your birdie chance by about 8%. Uh, on the PGA Tour. And so when they do this, the shots gained for the tee shot, they take the distance that you hit your shot or that you have remaining into the green. Uh, and then there are some uh, calculations for bunkers and sand and things like that. Uh, normally, if you hit it into the rough, you're going to bogey on tour one out of four tries. So you're adding 0.25 uh, to that number. So when we do the exact same thing, a player on that 400-yard hole that hits it uh, 300 yards now is averaging 3.15 from there minus the one. So now they're actually losing shots to the field, um, uh, 0.4. So that hitting it in the fairway becomes important. That's why this game has become so important about controlling your distance and controlling your accuracy. Um but yeah, just kind of breaking the, the break-even point on tour is 162 yards. And what that means is from 162 in the middle of fairway, the tour averages three shots. So whether it's a par three or the second shot into a par four, the a third approach shot into a par five, from 160 yards, they're going to make a three. So when you're forced to lay up to the 150 versus being able to push it down there to that 100, that 120 zone, you start to see those numbers come in. Again, that's what we talked about earlier in the year about Rory winning at Sawgrass is he quit hitting driver because the advantage wasn't there that when he hit his driver, the fairways narrowed in were so minor that he didn't score well. So last year when he won it in 2019, he played back. He hit to all the same positions. He was hitting irons off the tee, leaving himself the same 8 and 9 iron or the same 130, 140 yard shots that everybody else was. Um, and he was able to manage those and maintain. So anytime you can knock it down there um, and get closer, you're going to be better from 50 yards than you are from 100 uh, unless you just have something fundamentally wrong with your short game swing. It's a lot easier to get it closer to the hole uh, from 50 than it is 100. So I'm not saying hit driver everywhere there, Justin, but is, hit it down there as far as you can. The closer you can get it to the hole, the easier the scoring is going to become for you. Um, but you can just Google um, Strokes Gain Golf. Uh, Strokesgain.com is actually an app you can go through. Template spreadsheets, if you want to subscribe to that system, they can walk you through it to explain it. Uh, again, you'll find a lot of information on it out there. This one comes in from David. Uh, David uh, actually took my challenge uh, of laying down the towels uh, I put out there about sh working uh, on short game in the drills. Um, he said he was able to hit the 3, the 10, the 15, uh, and the 20-yard shot. His best was able to do it was 32 shots. So, again, David, keep working on that. But then he asked about ways to work out and things to do around the house while the gyms are being closed. And I'll tell you to go ahead and look back into uh, a couple episodes ago, I talked about uh, our friend Ashley uh, up at Performance One and Franklin being one of the top 50 instructors. Uh, you can find all kinds of information about her on Performance One um, here in Franklin area, Middle Tennessee, but really just doing a lot of stretch band stuff. Um, if you're working out at home, you don't need tons of weights. Uh, I mean, yes, a lot of the golfers out there have gotten in great shape by lifting, but a lot more have done it by doing a lot of resistance training and uh, 
stretching and just cardio work. I, I know on um, Tyler's Performance uh, TPI TP uh, Tyler's Performance Institute, Adam Scott's gone on Golf Fitness Academy a couple times on the Golf Channel, and he's hyper flexible, so he actually can over rotate and can turn too much. So he uses strength to limit his mobility. But I've seen his instructor, his fitness coach, have Adam lay back on the ground, chest or uh, shoulders touching put one leg in the air and the instructor can actually put the foot of the raised leg on the ground by Adam's hips rotating and he's still keeping his upper body shoulders touching. So again, amazing flexibility there. Um, but again, you can just do a lot of rotational punches, um, some core presses, things like that, uh, easy rows, just something with the, the, the bands around the house. And you can get those fitness bands if you don't already have them. You can get them tons of different places. There's lots of really good stuff on the TPI. Just go to mytpi.com. You can actually search. If you're looking for an instructor, uh, they'll show you there. There's a lot of doctors, chiropractors, um, coaches, fitness instructors who are all TPI certified in your area. So type in your zip code, and they'll lead you uh, down that path if you want to go that route and really work on strengthening your game. So David, I hope that helps a little bit with that and I uh, keep trying to beat that challenge. Uh, again, I got it down to 24 shots this week as I kept working on it myself down from that 27. So keep it up. So staying on the stats side, this came in from Tommy going back to a, a episode a couple of weeks ago talking about why putting was so important. And this kind of ties into the strokes gained is the way I did this. So Tommy, follow me for just a second. And everybody else, I hope you understand as well. So the reason the driver becomes so important is being able to get it off the tee in play, but it's not the most important club. It's going to fall down to the putter. Again, as we've talked about, 40 to 50% of all shots are putts as we go through this. But when we start hitting the shot, so it's not just about hitting fairways, it's hitting as far as you can in the fairway. So if you go back and look at the 2019 season, and there were 188 players on tour, so we take 94 as the median uh, for quick math. And so from the distance of 100 to 125 yards, these guys averaged 19 feet 10 inches. Again, we see the better players, so we think they're better than that. But again, it's just check the stats, pjtour.com, click on stats. You can see distances from rough, from fairways. They have every stat you've ever dreamed of. Now, same players, 125 to 150 becomes 23-2. So we're talking about a three-foot difference there. And it doesn't seem like much. Um, and again, considering when you look at putts made by distance from three feet, it's it's 99.5. So again, they're going to miss half a putt out of every 100. Not sure how you get that math, but anyway, you know what I'm saying as far as jokingly. So again, they're almost automatic from three feet. Now the difference from 150 to 175, that average was 27 and a half. So back to the 125 and the 150 of 23.2, we're talking about a four foot difference. Now, from the PJ Tour in 2019, nobody went 100%. The median was 92. The guys on the top of the list only missed three or four attempts, but those three or four attempts were generally out of 100 to 150. So again, just seeing that they're, they're not automatic from four feet. So that's why it becomes important. You can be the best player out there from 150 yards, and you're going to get beat by the guys that are hitting it from 125. 
So that's why driving becomes so important and it falls back into that putting category. While working your putting, while just getting a little inexpensive putting green, or if you've got a decent linoleum floor, I know when I grew up at a friend of mine's house, he had a track in his uh, kitchen. And it was just deep enough that if you hit it too hard, it would come out of it. So a lot of times when we were practicing, hanging out at his house for tournaments and things like that, we would just sit in the kitchen and practice rolling putts. Now years later, you see the golf is the greatest game or the greatest game ever played Francis we met he's putting on uh, floors that are warped um, the, the story but again it's just working on the stroke you don't have to be on a putting green you don't have to have a hole you just have to have a target and, and the consciousness and the the discipline just to sit there and practice that putt and, and work on the technique so Every couple of feet that you can get it close to the hole improves your make percentage. Just like every bit closer to the hole off the tee you can get improves your chances of making a better score. Now the longest drivers don't always win. And not saying that by any means. Um, because if they start hitting in the rough in the fairway or the bunkers in the trees and get it out of control, we've seen a lot of good players miss cuts because of that. Um, and again, get the right course as we talked about sawgrass. It, it's not a bomber's course. It's about putting it in position and leaving yourself those right distances. So, Tommy, I hope that helped explain that one a little bit better. Um, if not, reach out to me again. We can kind of walk, journey down this path of stats one more time if we need to. So this one came in from Ryan about how to choose the best golf ball. You, you've heard me talk about playing lower compression golf balls when it was colder in, early in the year and, and how to find that right ball for you. And I I know I've gone through, I used to have a software where I did uh, golf ball fittings, uh, and I can still do them, uh, but I had a software that laid it out for me uh, really well. And what the software did, I partnered with the company, and they actually tested every golf ball shot out of a potato gun. I think I may have told the story before, a friend of mine on the driving range I calibrated that. But what they did is they shot every ball, and they weighed it, and the whole formula, but they were able to determine with the um, same amount of pressure out of a potato gun um, or an air cannon um, how fast the ball would be traveling. Same amount of pressure pushed every ball, how it would react. And they had the, the radars set up to track the numbers. And they would also determine how much it deviated with what they deemed to be the heavy point. And they would bounce it in a salt solution and, and find out where the, the heavy point is. When they'd call that 12 o'clock and they'd launch it with 12 up. And in 12 and the 3 o'clock, and they just rotate it into all four positions, uh, 12, 3, 6, and 9. And they would determine the offline. They would, you know, launch multiple golf balls from the same sleeves, get this test out, and go through there. And the software allowed me just whatever ball I was testing, plug it in, and it tell you if this ball would spin higher, spin lower, launch higher, lower, faster, slower, uh, and how it would change in distance. And it's the first time I'd really seen about it, because I knew at that point that certain golf balls would spin less. If you're looking for more distance, that was generally the key. Um, and, and, you know, I'll, I'll use Tylus because it's the number one ball in golf, uh, as we hear them say so many times. But the Pro V1 and the Pro V1X at that time, the Pro V1 was the softer three-piece constructed ball, and the Pro V1X was the four-piece harder constructed ball. And I had always played the X because I had a high, not a high swing speed, but a high launch angle and create a lot of spin, so I was always trying to, to lower my spin. But when I got looking at the test and what I noticed is that the softer golf ball was actually launching a couple of miles an hour faster on the monitors and spinning a little bit more. And then the 
Pro V1X was launching a little bit slower, but spinning a little bit less. And so what I would get is a, a more aerodynamic ball. Uh, so just by going to softer, yes, you may pick up some speed, but you might lose that in the amount of spin and, and things like that. And then where that also really comes into play in going back to the TPI the uh, in Carlsbad, you can go out there and go through a, a, a complete bag fitting for a, 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 a small, I say a small fee, for a large fee. Um, but for a couple of days, they'll go through and you'll work with the best and they'll fit your bag um, and go through and look at your swing and give you everything. But they'll do testing on golf balls. And how they do their golf ball testing is based on putts alone. Um, and it's really just, uh, you. Well, I say putts alone, short game. You roll some short putts, you roll some medium putts, you get some bunker shots, some wedge shots, chip shots. Uh, and then you, in a blind test, pick that ball number four felt the best. And they'll tell you what ball number four was and they'll fit you for your rest of your clubs. Fortunate, unfortunately for most of us, we don't have that luxury. So what I've always recommended um, with launch monitors being so readily available what you should do if you're looking to fit for a golf ball is come see somebody who has a launch monitor who can walk you through this process. And what I'm going to do for that is the first thing I'm going to do after you've warmed up, um, we're going to kind of isolate it to you know, most people already kind of know a brand. But, you know, if you start dealing in premium golf balls, they're all going to be similar uh, in, in construction again I'll, i will admit that certain balls spend more spend less launch higher not saying they're all the same there's similar or they wouldn't be in in the market and once you get warmed up we're just going to start with some 40 or 50 yards wedge shots and, and what we're going to look at right there is just how many rpms of backspin is the ball putting on or is the ball spinning at if it doesn't have enough uh rpms then you're going to wind up not being able to hold the green. I know uh, Ben Pelicani from West Haven uh, talked about this in his uh, uh, online seminar he did for the PGA here in Tennessee. And from under 50 yards, you can't create enough spin to truly stop the ball. And so you're having to use loft. But if you're hitting wedges that have driver spin, you're not going to have enough loft to hold that shot either. So there is a, the, a kind of a fine line there. Um, it's starting about 60 yards is kind of where you, uh, use spin. So again, a half wedge for most people, everybody's going around 50 yards. So you can get a good implication, a good quality golf ball is probably going to have six or 7,000 RPM spin. Um, when you start getting into the softer compression, more of a distance style ball, the RPMs will drop down below, you know, 5,000 RPMs. And so now you've got golf balls that just have no chance of stopping. So the average player playing a, ball that they want for distance off the tee might be hurting them for into the green. So again, that's why I start with the wedge testing. So I kind of open their eyes on spin. Then we'll move into a, a seven or an eight iron or, or, you know, something that they're hitting in that 150 to, to 160 range. Um, and just hit some shots. Again, we're going to look at some launch angles. We're going to look at some spin rates and just notice if the ball is getting high enough in the air and landing with correct um, descent angle. If we want a ball landing over 45 degrees, so it has a chance to hit and stop. Anything coming in under that 40 mark is going to skip and roll off the back. So it's great that you can hit your seven iron 190 yards, but if it can't hold the green, what's the benefit? Um, and then we'll do the exact same test with the driver. Uh, we'll have them hit some shots. We'll get the ball speed. We'll get the spin rates, the launch parameters, and then using the wedge, the mid iron, and the driver. I'll make a recommendation on the ball they need to be playing. 
and you know once we've done that with any manufacturer we can kind of start substituting so if you turn out to be a, a premium tourball player then we can definitely recommend you across the board and all those manufacturers and if we notice that your parameters kind of look better for that mid-range ball again we can kind of walk you across those uh, things as well so Ryan I hope that helps um, go see your local club pro or your teaching instructor uh, one of the retail facilities that has a launch monitor and they can kind of walk you through and guide you through a golf ball process um, as the weather gets a little, little bit firmer again maybe you play one ball in the winter and one ball in the summer based on ground conditions or even course conditions i know when mickelson won his british open he switched to the um hex chrome ball uh at the time and, and that was a lower spin ball because at the at the british they weren't going to spin the ball, ball on the greens so he chose a ball that he could hit a little bit further off the tee and get that little extra distance um and take advantage of being able to hit less club into those screens so again ryan i hope it helps with your golf ball selection well, everybody, that's our show for this week, so I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, if you did, you can find us on iTunes, uh, and go ahead and rank us, please. I'm, uh, I'm always asking for those. Uh, you can find us on Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminaire, TuneIn. Send it to your friends. Uh, you can find us at Believe.com or at Believe Podcast. You can also find me on Instagram at pbrandon21 or on Twitter at QIC underscore golf pro. So, Hope everybody starts to get out. We've got some lovely weather coming up this week. Uh, I know I'm actually starting to sneak out, starting doing some playing lessons again, getting out with my students. So um, I've got the itch. I'm ready to get back out and play, and so are my students. So I'll definitely report and let you know how that goes for me. Uh, keep the questions coming in, y'all. Uh, like I said, you can find me on Instagram. You can find me on Twitter. Um, watch those golf videos. Figure out what's going on. Again, I've been seeing a lot of great podcasts coming from a lot of good instructors about some really good information uh to help you with your game in this time and um i know there's a lot of services out there so if you can find somebody if you don't already have an instructor reach out to them see what they can do uh, a lot of them have gone to online virtual style lessons so something like that can kind of get you through that that itch or that fixes some problems you've been having so most of them are just asking for a swing uh to send it to them but anyway everybody good luck get up play some golf and i'll talk to y'all next week